Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Craig Dennis, it's 250, man. 250 episodes today. That's right. That's, yeah, that's yeah. fairly impressive. Quarter of a thousand. That's nice. <laughs> uh, it, it's something like, uh, I, I, I got the math here in front of me. Let's see. It's uh, 22,500 minutes. That is 375 hours, which comes down to nine and a half work weeks that we would be talking eight hours a day, five days a week. It's a lot. Nice. Nice. We, we, we've been... your, your minutes thing reminds me of The Office, which is um, a song from Rant? I'm not sure. I no. couldn't see Rant. It, oh, yeah. wait. I know the song, it's though. The, yes. The one with all the numbers. Yes. Yeah. They do it on The Office when Steve Carell leaves, when Michael leaves. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of time. We've been doing we've been doing this for a while. I think I think we've got it figured out at this point. So. <laughs> yeah, I would hope. Or I mean, two fifty is in the neighborhood of five years. Not quite, but getting there. You know, for for one of our, uh, I said for for one of our um, uh, weekly movie things, I'm going to have us go back and listen to the first episode, and then we'll talk about it after there. We'll review oh, it. Man. That's fun. <laughs> and you can't do it at five times speed, Dennis. You got to listen to yourself speak in real time. It's the, it's the goal. So how how is speaking of things, cool, Dennis right. does? Uh, we last week I because we were so overwhelmed with stuff, I unceremoniously, unceremoniously skipped your travel <laughs> log, um, and I which is terrible because I actually had seen pictures that you had gone out to some very interesting places two weeks ago. Uh, you probably moved away from there yeah, now, but yeah. you want to talk about that a little bit? Right. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I realized that toward the end of, uh, well, listening to last week's show, and then as we got, we ran long, and I was like, we went long, and I didn't even talk about travel stuff. I also made a mistake, I heard, listening to last week's show. I said that Hearthstone was built in Unreal Engine, which is not. That's the 3D thing, all the... Like Fallout games and stuff are are built in, and a lot, a lot of 3D, like person games we see people. Uh, it's built in Unity, which is the cross-platform. Uh, still a 3D engine, but it's used more for like I don't know. I want to say cartoony stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that's derogatory to somebody. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, last weekend, not this past weekend, but a week before, I was in Pennsylvania. And I'll actually be back in Pennsylvania in a couple days. Um, that's what I do, sort of move around in little circles and stuff. But uh, near the Poconos Mountains, I don't know if you say mountains, Mount Pocono. I don't know. It's a place the, where people go to the ski. The Poconos, that's what I always hear. The Poconos, yeah. It's not uh, I remember seeing you post that and I'm like, ooh, now. he's fancy. He's up in the Poconos. That's what people in the <laughs> movies always talk about. Right, that's what they. It's like a popular, like saying the Catskills, the Catskills, upstate New York. You know, right? People, it's like <laughs> it always now reminds me. It now always reminds me of Dirty Dancing. Right? <laughs> that's they're, right. That's they're right. People, they're people from the city, and they go up to this summer camp. Like their whole family goes to summer camp. I'm like, that's not what summer camp means to me. But I, I always, um, what, what is it? What is the truth of all that? Like, do did people actually go to these places like for an entire summer? So. I don't 
I don't know if it's the entire summer, but like I am staying in RV parks. Uh, obviously. Right. right yeah. And they're, um, I mean, a lot of people do this boondocking off grid kind of stuff, but because I'm working, I need good, reliable electricity and internet. Um, although internet's been its own challenge. Um, I'm so far just, just sticking to RV parks. And there are a lot of people who buy a big RV and rent one of these spots year round and their RV just stays here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. And then, and then they'll come out for a weekend for a week or two at a time. Like it's like having a, a cabin a little somewhere. home just somewhere else yeah that's true um what i saw when we watched dirty dancing and i looked at some of the trivia and some of the backstory of that movie um it was a thing that happened probably mostly like before or like right after probably right after the war right after world war ii up until like I don't know, 70s or 80s, like whenever air travel started to become more affordable, right? Yeah. So like upper class families maybe would fly to Europe or uh, Hawaii, right? Right. But the like the the upper middle classes, like the middle classes would do nothing or they would go camping, you know, in tents or, or whatever, or, you know, once or twice in their whole, you know, lifetime of their family, they would go to Disney, right? Right. Um, or they would go, you know, somewhere with a with a fishing cabin, like in, um, <laughs> this is a movie I'm sure you've never heard of, uh, called Ollie Hop Noodle's Haven of Bliss. <laughs> I have not heard that, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sort of sequel or another story by the same uh, writer, uh, Gene something, uh, who did... Um, uh, Christmas story. Okay. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? But the the sort of upper middle classes who lived in some of these cities like New York would go to these resorts, these like summer country clubs, right? Like in like in Dirty Dancing. Um, and they would go and hang out, and I don't know, play golf, play shuffleboard, um, and then. Once air travel got more affordable, they started doing other things. Like, they started going to Europe or to Florida or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I've, gone, I've gone well <laughs> off the field of my topic. Um, the Poconos Mountains are about half an hour from Scranton, Pennsylvania. And we know that place. Uh, home of Dunder Mifflin mm -hmm. Paper, fictional paper company. And um, my cousin lives out there. Of course, the uh, creators of The Office, um, as much as possible, maybe not quite as much as they did with Parks and Rec, but as much as they could in making The Office, they referred back to accurate places and information. You know, they would get like a custom copy of the um, the Scranton Times mm. or whatever, and all the the footage you see in the in the intro of the show that's not in The Office, like the footage you see of the city, is of actual scranton that i think john krasinski and somebody else actually videoed when they when they were early in you know getting on the show and stuff like that hey, did, when they did uh, when so they did I, outside of that building or is that building is that in there is that or is that a stage in la or somewhere which like the, the outside the of office it. office building yeah, the outside that's in california um the i don't know if it's the same i don't think it's the same but um 
in season one of the show because they were on kind of a shoestring budget and they were doing this experimental like recreate this very popular uh in certain circles british sitcom but with americans um they were actually in an office like in a real office with handheld cameras and things they you know used uh reality and documentary style camera equipment and techniques through the whole run of the show but in the first season they were in a real office and then when they got picked up for season two onward they had sets i mean the set was still like they recreated that actual office as a set that's cool um but there are gaps like there are doors that go nowhere and like the warehouse is its own separate set that there's no like stairway between the two that's that's all movie magic yeah um but anyway i drove up there last saturday a week ago this past saturday um and there's a national park i never know which like there are a bunch of different styles of different types of uh national park service sites um i think the one in scranton is a historic national historic site think is the the name like everybody knows national parks yeah right. there are a whole bunch of things that are like a national wildlife refuge a national yeah, yeah. the historic site or what's the biggest ball of yarn yeah <laughs> <laughs> right they're just different like they're managed by the national park service but they have a different sure. moniker because they're not parks um you know they're not preserved for their like specific like nature aspect but for some other reason um and the one in scranton is called steamtown right which if you hear them talk about steamtown mall mm. um the oh and no, i'm gonna forget the name of it um uh i'm completely blanking <laughs> there's a there was a railroad company um that was based out of there and they shipped coal oh, for okay. yeah you know people would burn coal in their in their homes to for heat um and so there's a museum basically a train museum oh um, i know where this is going <laughs> i can tell already and so and so i went mm-hmm. so that i could get another stamp in my book I actually had to um they sell like i don't know what you would call this like expansion packs which is <laughs> funny to say um they're just pages the the book is a spiral bound like a spiral bound notebook, but then there are these pages that you can pop in um, because the book is separated up into regions of the country. Okay. And I've, I've been to a ton of um, national park service sites all in this like East middle Eastern, not middle Eastern. Um, It goes from like, I don't think it's the whole East coast. Like I think the, the like way up in new England stuff is separate, but like all around Virginia, North Carolina, um, a lot of them in Virginia actually. Um, and now this one in Pennsylvania, they're all in that same region. And that section of my book is full. So I had to get more pages. Um, (laughs) nice. That's a good problem. Anyway, I, I, I went there and, uh, they have a, a, tour it's free admission but they have a um a train you can ride that goes through the town to this gorge that's like a big you know there's river with you know big stone sides uh and a bridge and it stops and then goes back uh down to the switchyard um 
and that was cool. And I saw this great big train, Union Pacific 400 something. I'd obviously never heard of it, mm-hmm. but it's positioned. It's positioned where it's the first thing you see when you come in their weird sort of drive into the parking lot. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's gigantic. Like mm-hmm. by some measurements, it's the largest steam locomotive ever made. This um, is starting to sound like a uh, what's it called a um, Big Bang Theory trains and flags <laughs> a, a, a little bit a little bit like i when i was a kid i had model railroad stuff no oh, okay right and like and like most kids grew out of it around like middle of high school maybe almost toward the end of high yeah. school um and just you know just didn't have the time or the interest with everything else going on in my life you know getting a driver's license and stuff uh, but I drove into this parking lot and I saw this train and uh, this locomotive and I'm like, this, that is gigantic. Like, are, are train locomotives really this size? Has it been this long since I've seen one up close and not just, uh, you know, you see cabooses and boxcars and stuff like that. And one of the, you know, guys, volunteers or whatever working there was like, yeah, it's this and this. It's, they made them in, it's somewhere in Wyoming to like climb this mountain. And so one of the biggest, most powerful steam locomotives ever made, um, allegedly capable, the guy said a hundred, but the little placard in front of it says over 80, like over 80 miles an hour, which of course me, I immediately thought back to the future three, <laughs> right? Here's a, here's a steam train sure. that can go, that can go over 80 miles an hour, <laughs> even without any of Doc Brown's special logs. Right, right. Um, doesn't fly though, right? Yeah. No, it doesn't, doesn't fly. But anyway, I got a bunch of pictures with that. It's like, you've seen the pictures because mm-hmm. I sent them to the group. Mm-hmm. Like the, the big steel wheels are almost as tall as I am. They're like almost six feet in diameter. Just one of these giant wheels. Crazy. Things, enormous. Holy cow. But anyway, I did that. Um, and then there's a, there's a sort of self-guided tour of Scranton where you can see all the landmarks. There aren't a lot of landmarks like in, um, I mean, it's Scranton, Pennsylvania, right? It's like, (laughs) it's Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's a, it's a bigger place than I realized. Like it is Mm -hmm. a sort of small city. Mm -hmm. Um, it was kind of quiet. Like I didn't see any people out walking and the weather wasn't bad. So I don't know if that's just a thing. Um, the sign that you see, the Welcome to Scranton sign in the in the intro, they have set up, um, or a replica of it probably, set up in the mall, in the oh, cool. Steamtown Marketplace. They call Steamtown Mall on the show. Uh, so you can get a picture next to that. Um, I went to, there's a big old building with the Electric City all in lights. Like, it's better at night, but I got a picture with it anyway. Yeah. Um, there's the the paper company brick building that you see in the intro. Yeah. Um, I found that I found, uh, Cooper's seafood, which has a office souvenir shop. Oh, nice. Um, they, they had all, they had a bunch, a bunch of Dundies. They had all the name plates that go on the desk. Um, uh, they had some, a lot of t-shirts, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, then I went to, uh, Alfredo's, a little Italian restaurant where they have the good pizza. The good pizza, right from, right? from the show. And they had they also had a whole case of, like, you get a sweatshirt that says 
Alfredo's Pizza Cafe, home of the good pizza from the office. Nice. Right. They're, they're still kind of cashing in on that. Uh, and then ended at um, Poor Richard's. Oh, geez. It's the bar they go to on the show. Yeah. In real life, it's in the same building with a, um, a bowling alley. Okay. Uh, I didn't I didn't bowl, but <laughs> I did go to Poor Richard's and had a beer and got a t-shirt. That's pretty that's great. Poor, like Poor Richard's. They got all these little yeah. spots that you can go to. How, how come you think that, like Greg Daniels made that show, right? And mm-hmm. he also made Parks and Rec, two, two yeah. fan, of my most favorite shows of all time. And he he chose a a place and with all those like real world references in the office. But he when he goes to Parks and Rec, he puts it in a no name town in Indiana. I wonder why he he chose to do that. Like I wonder if his experience with using Scranton was like too much of a headache to to deal with, and then he just chose oh a real. That maybe I mean because if you put if you put a, a business's name in your show, you it's definitely restricting, right? You can't you can't make little jokes about it, or you can't do too much, or then you won't get. Right. It. But if you yeah. do, if you have uh, in in Parks and Rec, they can go to uh, what's the Waffle House they go to all the time, and they don't and they don't have to worry if they make fun uh, of any JJ's Diner, JJ's Diner, or right. or yeah, all the made up stuff like. Um, uh, paunch burger yeah they, they don't like have that. to worry about making fun of anywhere in particular and they mm-hmm. you know. but uh, us and yeah, he, us, that's, that's people here in indiana know that they're clearly in some kind of southern indiana city but because they're always talking about yeah well they, i mean and they say that so it's but it's but it's intentionally vague maybe because um because the show at least at the beginning was so political Oh, I mean, right, it's yeah. political all through, True. but it was sort of that, like, I forget exactly when that happened, That's when they true. started that. They, they can't um, really say, like, a city hall of a city, because then they would be really getting specific then, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, when they're making fun of the townspeople and stuff like that, like, yeah, they make true. a lot more fun of the town in in parks than they do in the than office. they do in the office and most of the, mo- for the most part Scranton is is uh, seen as a a good place kind of I mean every when they go outside it's always a kind of a positive thing yeah at the most it's kind of like there's nothing special about this place it's right. just where we live where right. um, in parks it's really played for laughs like some of the people there really love it but they do all those town hall meeting jokes and stuff and I can. <laughs> I could see that. I remember right. hearing that's, that's when they, yeah. when I looked into that show more, um, whatever was going on when they conceived the show, they're like, there's a lot of big political things happening in the world, but there are still interesting, funny stories to be told at the almost smallest level of government that you can get, right? Mm-hmm. Small town city council stuff. And, you know, Pawnee is not depicted that small. Right. And they definitely do, you know, whenever I watch it with my parents and they're doing the arc where um, Leslie's running for city council, they're like, really? City council of this small town? This is so... (laughs) Nobody does this kind of stuff for city council. Right. right. Um, All right. Shifting back, Dennis, we're going to go real all the way back. Where are you this week? You're not in Scranton, Pennsylvania anymore. Nope. I'm, I'm in Ackerd, New York. Uh, I learned that then, at least I hope I'm 
closely pronouncing that. It's spelled like Accord, but according to the welcome paperwork for the park, and it's like Acker. Reading and reading and... Reading and reading, yeah. I, I learned that in Scranton. They're, they had trains there from the Reading Railroad, which is spelled what's the, what's, R-E-A-D. What, so what's the deal um, with that? Do you know why, why they pronounce it wrong? I'm going to say that out loud. Why do they pronounce it Reading? I think it's it's Reading. I mean, just like the words read and read. Oh, like, like it's past I, tense? Like past tense of read is spelled the same way as, as present tense. Re- but the read. ING both, says present tense. Right. Like that's you're currently doing something. Yeah, but it's a name. Right. So all bets are <laughs> off when you have a name. It's all bets right? are it's off. Just it. like it's just like why are, you know, all of the towns, not all of them, but most of the towns in the U.S. with French names pronounced uh, anglicized, you know, English. Yeah. American. Well, let me let me tell you, people who are in another country listening to this show, English is terrible. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, and yeah, I, all, I pity we, you we, listening to this and listening to some kind of automatic transcription. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that be, being at all comprehensible. I, I cannot um, imagine. Uh, so, yeah, yeah you're you're uh, in Ak- Akron? Ackerd. Ackerd. Ackerd, New York. Okay. Um, it's actually very close. It's just down the road from um, a, a harvest house that I stayed at. On my way up to Maine before Memorial Weekend. Is it in upstate New York in the Catskills? It's, I think, getting close to that area. Yeah. Um, it, it is very hilly up here. It's not as far as the Finger Lakes, which are way out uh, in the western part of the state. Um, I'm still fairly close to Pennsylvania and, I guess, the city, New York City. You've done some. You've done some couple hours. Weird, like it, I. I try to imagine your little dots on a map, like you know the Indiana Jones mm-hmm. thing, where he's got a line going from mm-hmm. one to the next. Yep, 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 yep. And and like yours makes a weird squiggly thing on the east on the east coast. <laughs> like you, you're up north here, then you go way down south here, then you come back way up north, and then you're down to the middle, and then you're back up again. Do you, it, yeah, it's it, like I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure it seems very crazy and chaotic. Uh, Some people from, just like you know, to for, see the world burn. Is what for <laughs> for me from yeah exactly. It it really just comes down to where the parks in the network are, mm-hmm. and now this time of year where I can get a reservation. Oh, uh, that, oh yeah, of course. It's we nicer about that before, places. Yeah. Places are getting more full, so I'm like, well, I can't. That's why I went to Maine for Memorial Weekend. It was the only place I could get the whole weekend in one reservation man i would i can only say that i would i would be right now this time of year to be up in maine or like way north michigan or southern california or you know somewhere where there's get out of this humidity i just couldn't imagine if i have a choice to move my house (laughs) it's it's real yeah it's really just day to day like i'll be some places and i'm like oh man this is too it's too hot and then sometimes i'll even go south and the weather will change and it'll be nice it'll be Low seventies, high sixties. True, you know, for a couple days, and then a weird front will come through, and it'll change. It's that's true. Yeah, I'm learning that it's kind of that way everywhere. I'm sure there are places, and I've said this before recently, like you know, in Southern California or Arizona or something, where it's kind of the same all year. Hmm. Um, just just maybe more or less hot throughout the year, but it doesn't change a lot day to day. I haven't been anywhere yet where the weather didn't kind of change day to day like maybe not every day but at any point it could suddenly take a 10 15 degree 
jump or dive. Yeah. I, well, uh, the thing, the good thing about you, where you're positioned now out, out the out East is that you can easily, I mean, we're just kind of joking a little bit how you moved all over the East coast there, but once you get past the Mississippi, traveling is a whole different thing because it mm-hmm. feels like there's towns every 20 minutes, right? Um, then you go to the West and things are so incredibly spread spread out yep. that if yep. you were out here out the West doing things, you would be traveling from morning to evening to get to the next town, hoping there's a campsite right. there. Um, yeah. And it would, you know, yeah. states are so massive and so large. I mean, when I did when I did that motorhome trip a year ago, over a year ago now, I went from Chicago to Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. and so some of that was like still in the outskirts of Chicago mm-hmm. in Illinois until I got into Iowa, right? And then it was Iowa, and then it was Nebraska, yep. and those are both kind of kind of spread out, not that different from Indiana. And then I got to Wyoming oh, yeah. and suddenly everything was different and it was high desert and it was so windy all the time. <laughs> and then I got to the border, Wyoming and Utah, and I crossed the mountains, yeah. the Rockies. Huge. And that was a whole different kind of stressful. Yeah. Going up and down these rises for a couple hours. Yeah. And that took me, that trip took me a week of like three, four, sometimes five hour days, which is not, yeah, you know, it doesn't seem like that much. It's not driving 12 hours, but I was also working. Yeah. Right? So I could only work in the morning and the evening and then drive for three to five hours in the middle of the day. Um, yeah. Where, where you're and, near. And yeah, you, yeah, you get out there and it's like, you know, especially, especially some of the further north states like North Dakota and Montana you'll get, you know, you go miles and miles without a gas station. Without anything. Right. That, that's, that's what I was thinking. I, I know that a, a common occurrence here, and it's in movies and everywhere, is where you'll have, you're traveling, and then the kids will say, I got to use the bathroom. Like, okay, I'll pull over for a gas station, or next exit. Or I'm hungry. Okay, let's find, uh, you know, the next place exit is a, is a spot. That's kind of, that's easy around here. You just try, no matter where you're traveling, you can go, you know, five, ten minutes, and you'll have a pull-off. Right. That there's right. some some place you can go. Once you cross that Mississippi line and you go out there, it's not that way at all. Like you are going to plan where you are stopping and making sure you have gas and everybody's going to use the bathroom then because it's going to be hours and hours before you get to the next spot that might be a little gas station. Right. right. Uh, so it's it's just a cool. It's one of the advantages of having, living in such a large country with such varied type stuff sure you you, yeah at you overlay it on europe and and it goes all the way across type thing and you're it's just whole countries in europe that are you know you go across and are so massively different that's Mm -hmm. how how it is here so we're really fortunate and i think a place and then when you think of larger places like china which are just massively large what is it so many time zones that they're in um Mm. and and like that, that country is just vastly different from spot to spot and is beautiful and amazing and um the world's a cool place. And you're only going to see, you're only in one little area of it shuffling around. There's such cool stuff. Uh, yeah. so, so it's been hot there a little bit. And how's your campsite? It, it was, it was nice yesterday. It was warm today. Um, so we're hitting here in the you know, Midwest just, too. 
it just varies. I think this area is kind of low. When I stayed here last time, not at this park, but up the road at the Harvest House, hmm. it was it was humid and muggy and yeah. kind of a lot of bugs and stuff. And I'm like, I'm a little weird. I mean, the temperature changes based on elevation too, which is a thing. Oh, that okay, is. that's the craziest. Yeah. Yeah. forget to to take into account it's it was 97 here today with uh massive humidity so it, uh the temperature was over 100 when the heat index but i still you know people watching the show or listening to the show know that i can't stand the winter and i remember it and i'm happy with that over 100 degrees <laughs> i i will duck inside or turn things into my car and um hmm. not not mind it you know but then again i i make sure that i'm not working out there right i right i, I had to go and do some Long work last night, and you just plan to do it right when the sun's setting. You know, just just mm, how, how you sure. enjoy those nights. So, yeah. all right. So moving moving along, so we've kind of talked to a long time about this one. Um, let's go to some of our things we've got this week. Um, let's talk about a show that came out on Netflix recently. Um, we've watched a couple of so far Stranger Things. Now, right, we're in season four of Stranger. Season Things. four, part one, which is one half. Um. Yeah. So you're like what three or four episodes of seven in? Is that right? Mm-hmm. So you've watched like twelve three. hours. Is that correct? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's, <laughs> it took me it took me three or four full time days yeah, of see. just having it on while I while I work my entire work day. No, it, well, I mean it we're, feels that way, right? We're, we're joking because <laughs> the episodes of season four Stranger Things are very long. Yeah, almost needlessly long. It it, it makes me feel that um, one, it's 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 last season. And they knew it, and they planned it, mm. and it's a it's a thing, right? So, yeah. uh, I, it almost and it was such a huge success for Netflix. Um, when I see a series like this and watch it, and and overall, my my thought thought is that it's just way too long. Is that right. the producers have gained so much goodwill with the studio that they can do whatever they want? Mm. Right? They don't have to edit. They don't have to cut down. They don't have to meet demographics or they are, can, I'm sure the studio at Netflix said, here's so much money for your last season. Do it. Right. Right. And I mean, strange stranger things is probably one of those series uh, franchises that's not getting any oversight from Netflix. Um, which, which, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. And you know, generally that, that ends in it's to the detriment of the show or whatever it is. Cause you know, a good editor, that has to make tough choices usually it lands on a better film or series. And yeah, it's always, uh, there's always some kind of balance, right? Right. And we talked about this when we watched, um, uh, uh, raised by wolves. Yeah. The Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. uh, series on HBO. Right. I want to say, um, where you're like, okay, maybe like we've all heard, it's Amazon, you know, too. the things of like, um, you know Kathleen Kennedy over it mm-hmm. at at Disney with Star Wars the things where you're like oh this was a thing and then studio execs or producers or whatever came yeah. in and said you should edit it like this you should make sure we include oh like more like Morbius Morbius or you know include something of this kind of representation and then just as really shoehorned and in and yeah and unnatural and whatever all those things you're like you know no let the let the creative mind the director um have 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 free reign to do to do you know 
their to to bring to life their creative vision and that'll be the truest and then you see um and then you see some of this stuff and you're like yeah they maybe needed like you know (laughs) like we always use the joke of george lucas making the prequels yeah like right you needed somebody like i don't know who that somebody is i don't know if you needed a whole team of somebody's but you needed at least one person to go um do you really think we should do that do you really think we should hire this kid do you think we should make the finale or the the last few episodes be this weird convoluted thing with a planet snake that comes out and faces the ship <laughs> yeah. um kind of i'm talking about raised by wolves again <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah i i remember and and of course that i'd taken that we spoke to a longtime producer for Martin Scorsese and hmm. she was no longer a, a producer for him any, anymore. And she just recently, and she had was talking about what she's doing now and why she want to do that thing. And she talked, she's so nice, so great. And she talked about, she said, I was, I've been really tired of doing big budget films. Like with, with, hmm. she's cut said Marty, she called him Marty. Marty, you get whatever sure. you want. Like he asked for it. It's not even a question. Like he doesn't right. even have to ask for anything from any studio. He gets whatever he wants, right? And she sure. said, "That's." She says, "You just get. You spend so much money on things you don't need to spend it on, and mm. it's just you know, uh, gross." She's like, "It's just gross on the spending and unnecessary things." And yes, Scorsese makes great great films, but. Still, she says there's there was so much there's so much to say about being on a small budget, being on needing to be creative and mm-hmm. was the, have that necessity, you know, some other invention type thing that you you do create amazing things when you're forced to have to really focus. Right. Yeah. And I, when you have I say that. I don't know. I don't know how the, how true this is, but I say that a lot about music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of the reason there are a lot of reasons that bands. uh to to coin an overused expression become one hit wonders or you know can never recreate the magic of their first album for example yeah is because the fame and the success changes people yeah and sometimes you need that pressure that tension to to really make something great yeah and and to bring that back down to to run to stranger things yeah it's it's uh it's just so long. Um, and and I, I've watched all seven and, and I'm no spoilers here, especially since you've not seen the rest of it. It doesn't right, right. not, not until the last episode, probably the last half of the last episode. Does it really come together? And, and after I were done watching it, I think our buddy Fox had also mentioned like, I'm, I'm it's frustrating feeling that you do enjoy what they put out there at the end. And, and they had a good idea. It just feels like there was unnecessary to go through that much to get to here. Sure. And sure. and 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 every time I look at that runtime length, uh, it was daunting. It was I would pause it and, and think, oh, it's pretty over, and I've got another 35, 40 minutes. Um, and I'm like, wow, that's just why is it so long? And nothing really happens in between. And then to give you a little nugget at the yeah. end type stuff. Uh, so yeah. anyway, I mean, there's there's something to be said for the kind of you know journey over destination kind of thing right mm-hmm. like we all watch yeah watch movies over and over even though we know how they're going to end we can still enjoy yeah all the things you know we as kids if yeah if your parents read stories to you like you still want to hear the same story 
over yeah. and over because there's a comfort in that mm-hmm. sort of um yeah and if the characters are growing a, or they're doing something in, in there a, that, in a yeah. chaotic world or like you know what's going to happen and you see it's part of why uh you know the traditional story structures are so prevalent are so common because yeah. you know we go through this process and even if we can sort of even if we can predict the ending it's still satisfying when you get there to to see it play out and have been right predicting it and all that kind of stuff but yeah you get into this like you know we talk a lot about runtime and like all it takes is to look and see like oh this one episode of tv is an hour and a half long and then to watch so little happen uh especially in the first couple episodes it's just a lot of really frustrating high school drama which obviously is not for me that's hopefully relevant to somebody but it's still frustrating to watch characters be kind of in these helpless situations Mm -hmm. um and like you know that they're on a journey and they're gonna overcome it but normally if you watch a whole movie uh, it's two hours right and so you only have to live with the awkward uh frustrating bullying stuff for 20 minutes right something right and then you're going to get to the conclusion two hours from now not eight hours from now yeah that's that's eight eight hours that you probably are not watching all at one sitting well well said i I think i mean that's that you you hit the nail on the head right there it's that, that you can get through these things fully and with full comprehension of understanding the emotional impact and all things within 20 minutes without having to go literally three hours into it Mm -hmm. right and then live in that suffering type thing and not not that this game this show has any a lot of suffering or or things like that it does with l for for a bit but the um it just here's the thing we have had three already long seasons of character development from these people right these these cast and they have we've seen them already already grow and come through things so they're not growing that much right we Sure. There really aren't. Um, we are seeing some things like they're we're seeing these characters that we already kind of know be put into different situations. Um, the um, we've got the guy who's now a football athlete, and you've got the um, uh, the L bullying issue, and you've got you know a mm-hmm. couple things like that. But for the most part, we've already visited all that stuff with these people in some right. way or another, right? So that's what makes these long run times not that interesting because we've either seen it. I've already seen Elle's character growth. I've already seen Mike's character growth. I've already seen Dustin's character growth. It's like, okay, there's, that's not as interesting as it, what it was. Or, you know, I don't want to see the same thing rehashed, which there's not a lot to mm-hmm. do there. So you want to focus on, this, on what's got to be the main story. And they're only like sprinkling that throughout. Um, so anyway, that's, yeah, that's a, a bash on the runtime. And, um, it, but that's hard. It's hard not to say that because if it was less, I'd probably have a much better things to say about it, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, uh, spoiler one part. I, I, they, they show it in the trailer, like that hoppers back. Um, sure. So I don't that really big spoiler there, but the I mean, hopper, you knew I, I said this last season, I'm like, he's yeah. not dead. Yeah. They right. would not, they would not let him die off screen without showing us a body. Right. And they show him in the trailers. So it's not, you know, it's not a thing, but he, um, his storyline takes seven episodes to come to not really a fruition. Like it just, Hmm. it just doesn't. 
it it gets almost nowhere within seven episodes by the end. And you're like, yeah. And, and Fox had messaged me and he's like, why did they do this just to reset it back to the beginning again to just string us out? And I'm like, yeah, if this was a three episode thing, that's fine. Because then we can move on to the second half of the series with just three more hours or three more episodes sure. and we're go. But, but they really strung us out for, for so long unnecessarily. It doesn't make character gross things. And the little bit that they're trying to do, it does do, but just does not need to be done you know, for as long as it was. So anyway, yeah, I just can't separate the length of episodes away from the right. enjoyment of this show. Sure. Uh, so yeah, it's, I, I am finished with seven. If you're fans of the series, you definitely aren't going to miss it anyway. Um, if if you're like, oh, maybe Stranger Things is something I should get into, and should I catch up to be to get into this exciting new season? Eh, I don't know. I mean, we we've, we've right. got the second half still to come, sure. So maybe it'll end it in a awesomeness the last back half, but I don't know. Um, you're not you're not miss. I'd still say Stranger Things season one is is the best that they've they've done and. That's worth watching. Sure. Uh, okay, cool. What else do we got today? Um, how about, well, you like that, that episode? I don't want to go too much into Star Trek, but Strange New Worlds was awesome again. Uh, Pike got yeah. himself a girlfriend for a minute. Oh, that's right. I was like, because I watched it almost right away, and so mm-hmm. it's been a few days ago now, and I'm like, what happened? Oh, yeah, that was great. It was very, like, I think I described it as... as um, how did I say this? And I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before too, but it's like somebody is making episodes of the original series, Star Trek original series, or the next generation, or maybe the best combination of both. They're doing that in 2022. And I mean that in the best possible way. Right. Yeah. Like there, there are still things. There's still nitpicks, whatever, but like they have the, like like the 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 like feel of it the vibe whatever you want to say is is so is so good like this this most recent episode was just like an episode of the original series where like you find this character and this is, she's you know you pick up pretty quickly that she's a former romantic interest for Captain Pike and you know there's a sort of ethical dilemma that's very that's very Star Trek, except made with modern sensibilities, with modern visual effects, with modern storytelling and cinematography and all that. And it's all so good. Yeah. The, um, the, the, here's, yeah. here's something we just bring it in with that last thing. They're about 55 minutes long and we've had six of them already. And I'm always like, oh, my God, only six. It feels like they've just been blown by. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like I said, with with Stranger Things. It just feels like it's strike because they drag out this long yeah, story. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to say that when we were talking about Stranger Things, it's not that long run times are objectively bad, right? We've mm-hmm. seen things, you know, Avengers Endgame. I think mm-hmm. um, Lord of the Rings, you know, L- Lord of the Rings is a great example. Even some even some older things like The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, mm-hmm. or Seven Samurai. Maybe Seven Samurai is a little a little long, but. Um, or uh, 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 Lawrence of Arabia, right? They're like, you watch them now and you're like, 
okay, it's it's great. But if you were in a theater seeing them at the time, you're like just struck by, you know, the 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 vista of the desert, yeah, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like that was part of the whole experience. It wasn't this like meander because like in Stranger Things, there's always stuff happening. It's just sometimes the stuff that's happening is just some pointless witty banter where we're trying to bring around the same, um, the same conversations and the same information. And I'm like, this is, there's no point to this scene. Like you're just doing this and they're explaining this to a new person who wasn't there before. And I'm like, we already know that you don't have to show us explaining. It's like the opposite of, uh, of Morbius. Yeah, right, right where they're yeah. telling not showing telling not showing anyway. well well in 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 strange new worlds you're every everything that they're doing is fun or not always fun but it's it's interesting from scene to scene the thing that's going on at all times every hour and this episode you know we can't keep heaping praise praise after this every week but uh this one just does <laughs> another uh Fantastic episode of all the characters doing multiple things in the same ways that go listen to Dennis's comments last week on what he said, the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's just multiple yeah. things happening all the time that are always fun and exciting and interesting. And there's always a through story that happens and um, not quite to the extent of the week before when you had like they were in port doing a shore leave thing, but still uh, multiple stories happening and it's just, just wonderful. Um, I, I want to point out, um, I love the doctor. I said it a couple of times. Mbenga, I think is his name is or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. just just a phenomenal actor. That dude is so awesome. And I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything but this, but I just I want to see more of him. And his he has a, a kind of a bit in here, and it's it just feels not heartwarming or heart wrenching, but like touches you, <laughs> right? Um, sure. his stuff. Yeah. And then all of the characters a real, have a little, a real character story going on with that. Yeah. And character. and it's just, it's, it's there overtly, but it still feels subtle, right? Like he, there's one sure. scene in yeah. here when he has, he has that, he's talking to the guy that has a cure for the thing without spoiling it, has a cure. And mm-hmm. you just see it in his pauses, the actors, the way he pauses and the way he talks without getting too excited. Cause he doesn't want to like, give it away or anything just yeah, right. the, that that little sense of hope and um interest and intrigue and excitement but but muted and you're like that's it's just you feel it the way he's feeling it um at the same time and it's just that's just excellent acting and just acting and, and i love that and that that translates obviously to, to pike which is quickly becoming one of my favorite if not my favorite captain so far of star trek yeah, yeah. um and um, you know, when, when he has interactions with people always doing what's right. And he, th- this week he got upset and I would almost say mm-hmm. angry, <laughs> which to see someone like him get angry, but not, it, he wouldn't, he didn't get angry. We're like, I'm going to punch you in the face angry. Right. Right. Uh, obviously he feels like he could be one guy that would punch you in the face, but in a couple <laughs> scenes, he was ready to, just like explode in some kind of an anger, but always kind of kept it in check. And you can yep. just see it in his face and the way he, uh, uh, Anson Mount acts and portrays in his physical presence. And I'm like, yeah, that's just, I, I love it. I, I loved how it felt, <laughs> how it makes me feel. Um, 
and it just it was married with to with a great Star Trek story. This is a, this is a a Star Trek story. Um, mm-hmm. We say that mm-hmm. so many times in the last five years, like oh, it's just not Star Trek, or what's not Star Trek. I can't really, we can never really truly put into words what Star Trek is to each of us. But this show, I think, is what Dennis and I have been talking about for years when we say that's not Star Trek. You know, th- these episodes are. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I gushed, gushed on that one too much. Um, <laughs> we've been playing Diablo Immortal. You and I have for a while. We're, we're coming along on that mm-hmm. one. Won't spend too much time. We spent a lot of time last week on that. Um, right. Still, still pretty fun. We're... We're getting up there. Where are you? Are you late forties on your level, something like that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Early fifties, and and I'm around the same way. So sixties, the level cap there. We'll talk more when we get into what we call end game. As our our clan starts clicking along. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll do more group stuff. More, more. Yeah, we'll get into some maybe some group stuff. Talk about there. Uh, watch Miss Marvel. I know you hadn't seen that one. Um, nope. It has uh. It's got an aesthetic to it that I, I, I'm, I'm a designer by 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 profession, so I do a lot of uh, layouts and colors and and working with negative space and readability, all sorts of layouts and design stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I notice those kind of things in in artwork sure. and magazines and uh, TV shows. And when somebody does something that stands out, I notice it immediately, and it's a huge thing for me. Um, Obviously, people noticed um, with the Miles Morales movie. What was that? Uh, Spider Verse uh, into the Spider Verse. Yeah. yeah, and how it has a clear design decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this one has that too. It's got this thing where she draws and doodles all the time. the The character of Kamala Khan does the main character. So yeah. she she's always doodling, very high schoolish kind of doodles on piece of paper. Like. Is it like Mitchell's versus the machines? Very, that's you know what that's a very good example. Yes, it's very similar. That was to what that. I when, as as you started describing that, I was like, where have I seen this? Did I see a trailer? For, well, I don't know said. if I even saw the trailer for this series. Yeah, and yeah, that's that's what I thought of. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't see that in any of the trailers. Like that, that's a kind of a, a heavy thing when, uh, and they do it all the time. She'll be she'll be discussing something and walking down the street while she's talking about, let's say, about her parents. Right. And okay. in the background, she's just walking down a Jersey, a street in Jersey city. And there's like a, um, a basketball court, people playing basketball and a huge building in behind her in a, like an urban neighborhood. Right. And while she's mm-hmm. walking with her friend, let's say the camera's on the other side of the street, looking at, at her in the background, you can see her drawings. It looks like graffiti on the side of the building. It's of, of her parents being angry. Right. And then they walk next mm-hmm. to the next building and she says like, uh, but I'm going to jump out the window and I'm going to do this thing. And you can see in her little doodles on the next building in graffiti animated of her jumping out the window. Right. So it's kind of like okay. she's doing artwork while she's doing this. Um, and there's one scene when they're texting back and forth. And instead of showing you the text on the on the phone, you see as he's walking down the street at nighttime, like a, um, he'll text something. And then all of a sudden you'll see a neon light, uh, or neon sign turn on in the background window. And it's the words that she's saying, you know, like her, her reply. And then he'll say, but I don't think that. And he'll text, I don't think that or something. And then all of a sudden you'll see another, um, 
light turning on a window and in fog is the, her response. It's just really neat aesthetics that they use all throughout this thing to make it look interesting. Um, interesting. And I know this has nothing to do with the, the show or anything, but that, that to me was just really exciting and really, I loved, and they only, they just used it sparingly when they needed to use it. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved it. I, I see something like that. I'm like, well, you just really got creative here. Who director or wherever you are and art team <laughs> um, and well done. And it flows and feels good. How it like, it feels right. You know, uh, okay. how they use it. And, and the, sto- but the story itself is, is pretty fun. It's just one episode in, so it's not very far. It's, it's uh four, I guess where it feels like is that it's four people are about 16 years old. Okay. Okay. Um, sure. Tracks. Yeah. I mean, cause she's 16 Come and on, she's dealing yeah. with 16 year old stuff. It's a 16 year old superhero. If you're a modern day fan of the MCU and you're 16 years old, um, I'm sure that's a sect of nerds, right? Or geeks sure. or whatever it might be. Like there were video game geeks. There were um, uh, computer geeks. There were. Yeah, yeah. Just like um, maybe a few years younger than the than the Hawkeye audience. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. A few years younger. You're mm-hmm. right. I think that the Hawkeye audience would have been like just going into college, maybe, or, you know, early college mm-hmm. kids. These are these are. Uh, kids who are 16 who want to go out and hang out at the arcade still would be like arcade kids, you know, they don't hang out at arcades now, but, um, <laughs> right. you know, they want, they want to talk about the cool Marvel's MCU and all the stuff there. And they have posters all over their walls of all the Marvel characters. Um, and that's, that's exactly what her and her friend, her friends are, are those people. Um, so I can see this as totally being relatable to that crowd. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a high school kid, like a freshman and I'm really into that kind of stuff. And I, and I relate to her and I'm awkward and, you right. know, that's awkward and that makes it worse that I'm into this. And nobody understands that except my friend group. That's my only little click um, in, in Stranger Things. It's D&D, right? They're part of the D&D groups. Yeah. Uh, and in this in Miss Marvel, she's part of the Marvel fan club, uh, which sure. we all kind of are a little bit. Um so yeah, and it's cute. The, the the main actress is is um very fun. Um she's um she's a fangirl and a and a nerd, so it kind of fits. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I like I like it. Thumbs up. It's uh so far it's not like a oh my gosh, it's connected. Kinda how Moon Knight wasn't connected at all. It doesn't feel I mean it's definitely referencing everything, but it's not like sure. you have I know she's gonna be part of the Ms. Marvel called the Marvels movie. Um right. But right now, it doesn't necessarily feel like it, you know, must must see TV type stuff. Gotcha. But I enjoy it. Hey, let's switch over to um. After I'm over that, let's switch over to our 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 movie. Uh, yeah, let's do that. All right, this week we watched the 1989 film Field of Dreams, starring Kevin Costner. James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, Amy Madigan, Timothy Busfield. Uh, quite a few people you've probably seen. I think Amy Madigan uh, was woefully underrated in this movie. <laughs> it sounds like a silly thing, but she was just fun. And yeah. I like how she acted. Her like her acting was just felt natural and mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
she she was his wife who was loved him, but still a very weird situation. Right. It was kind of old hippie. So this is a movie. Um, should we? I don't know. I, I guess it's sort of spoilery. I'm going to hit the bell here anyway. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to talk about the story of Field of Dreams, including uh, the ending, which I can speak from experience. I still thoroughly enjoyed, even though I knew everything that was going to happen. It was the same kind of like, I used to be this way about It's a Wonderful Life and still kind of can be if I'm in the right mood. Um, So if you don't want to get spoiled on the ending of this movie, skip ahead. This movie is 25 years old, (laughs) but... Uh, uh, side note: Did you know that no, Amy Madigan that, is, is married to Ed Harris? Old. I didn't know that. He's he's a big guy. He was just in Maverick. He was in Match movie. Was so he, yeah, in like one or two scenes. Yeah, he was like one of the at the beginning where the guys always meet mad at Maverick or one of those guys. He was the oh, guy yeah, that was yeah. the, shuttling the, the, the old, program. The old general, I was like, where did I see this guy and thing? So um, he was, he's also the voice in this. The build it and they will come. And Harris is that voice. Okay, okay. So I saw this as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not kid, kid. I was eight when it came out. But I saw it at some point a few years later. And I've seen it several times. And so I knew a lot of the high points. There were some certain things that I didn't remember in detail um i was surprised how quickly the voice stuff happens right like basically you mm, get yeah this, it happens fast you get this narration from kevin costner about his life and his dad and then like the first scene after that is him walking in the field and he hears his voice and you're like wow i was like wow this is already um i remembered his car because there's all this time they spend in his in his vw bus and I hit, a, I hit a thing a few years ago where I was like, why are characters in film and TV shows, why do they always have improbably interesting cars, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they'll be, you know, it's just a normal, like, high schooler, Bella Swan or something, but she's driving a vintage 60s pickup truck. And I'm like, where did she get that pickup truck? Why is it in such good condition? Nobody has an old vehicle like that in that good a shape that's not 60 plus years old, right? That's not like a collector who's got this thing and only drives it on the weekend. Like nobody is letting a 16-year-old drive this 30-year-old car commuting to school every day, whatever. Right. Um, But it's a screenwriting technique to... um, like present or remind you something about a character is to have them drive a vehicle that expresses their character in some way, right? Much more than your average person can afford to do in real life. And so he has this, he has this vehicle because he and his wife are kind of aging hippies right at this time. And so I'm, I'm, and so I remembered some of those details, but I'm watching this, I'm watching this prologue, this narration and I'm thinking about the ages, thinking about the, you know, how old was his dad and what did his dad do and which baseball players are they talking about here and how old is he? And, you know, of course, I remember all the stuff about 60s, but when I saw it, I didn't know, I didn't get any of those cultural references. When um, 
um, Terrence Mann's uh, James Earl Jones's mailbox says Ty died. I was like, I was like, Ty, he died. Who's Ty? That he that he like I didn't know what Ty died even meant. Yeah. Um, the first time I saw this movie when I was a kid, um, and of course now, like. I'm still not like an expert on the time, but there are all these references where I'm like, oh, when he says peace, love, dope, like I know exactly what he's talking about. When they make allusions to drug use, yeah, that all makes sense to me in a way that didn't when I was a kid because this movie's rated PG. Sure. Um, and so, of course, he drives us. He drives us Volkswagen because he's a hippie. I think I said that already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm watching this setup and I'm like, oh, uh, Kevin Costner and his wife are boomers. Yeah, they're like yeah. stereotypical. Grew up as hippies, boomers. Yeah, and I'm they like, totally are. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'll bet this movie is gonna be a bunch of like just really boomer stuff for boomers, and it's gonna, <laughs> not that, And I don't even really get into the generation, but I'm like, I'll bet this isn't gonna hold up. And as I'm as I'm walking through it, like I know all the things. There are a few little things that I look at now, and I'm like. I sort of, I've never grown corn, but I (laughs) sort of know how the cycle of growing corn works. Like I lived in Indiana for over a decade. Right. Like depending on what, like it's late enough in the year that the corn is tall, right? It's man sized seven, eight foot stalks of corn. Right. He can wait a couple months and (laughs) the field's going to be down. He can put like, okay, sure. He's yes, he's dedicating a section of the crop, the the farmland to this baseball diamond. Not that not much, gonna... by the way. It wasn't that big. <laughs> right. It's like enough that he's gonna lose his farm because he put this baseball diamond. How <laughs> right, small yeah. was his farm, et cetera, et cetera. But <clears throat> um as the movie went on and it got closer to the end. It really takes a turn as soon as you see, well, from, there are actually several times where it takes a turn, like mm. Ray Liotta shows up, and the yeah. first time he, uh, um, R.I.P. Ray Liotta also, yeah. by the way, but, yeah, like, I forgot he was in this too, and I was like, oh, yeah, now, now something's, like, something's happening there that's different, and you ride that for a while, and mm. then you do James Earl Jones, and James Earl Jones brings a whole new energy to the movie. Yeah. And they do that for a while. And then they go to Minnesota and you see Burt Lancaster, who's an old, yeah. um, you know, here to eternity, you know, Big, old classic, actor, yeah. classic uh, Hollywood actor actually would pass away like five years after this movie was made. This was the mm. last he did a couple of TV projects, shows and, and a TV movie. But this was the yeah. last like full feature movie that he made. Um, but he comes on screen and he's got, you know, this, he's playing this character from that era. Cause that's about, he's about the right age to be part of that sort of aesthetic in that scene. And it fits perfectly. And then, and then you get to the, the big climax where James Earl Jones gives his speech and there's the big confrontation with the, with the brother-in-law and, the daughter falls and the kid comes out and he turns back into the doctor. And like, I knew all that was going to happen. Right. I've seen this movie many times, but from the, like, I mean, James Earl Jones speech, 
right? Is classic, yeah. like what we would now maybe call like, like a battle speech or, or something there are those things in movies where it's usually right before a battle or a big game where somebody gives a speech and there's a lot of inspiring music behind it. Yeah. The James are the, you know, the people will come is, is like that, but it's subtler, right? They're yeah. not going to go into battle, but there's still this music and he's, he's James Earl Jones with this iconic voice, like describing the people that come money. They have, oh, how does, how does he say it? Um, they, they have money and they want comfort or peace or, or something. I forget what word he uses. It's really good. I <laughs> I never caught the the phrasing before, but I'm like, oh, I see. That's it's it's just a little poetic because he's a writer. Um, but it's something like that. I'm I'm not remembering the exact quote, but he does that whole thing, and then the daughter falls, and I'm like, oh, this one. Like I know that they're gonna do the thing with the doctor, and you see the kid, and you see the look in the kids. It's a different actor. But you see that that compassion, that caring, that like doctor, that caregiver that he will become in life and also in a few seconds in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> All that happens and I'm I'm like sobbing. Not maybe not sobbing, but like like tears in my eyes because I'm like, oh, it's this it's this tragic, but it's still there's this like bittersweet kind of happiness and he's gonna he's gonna walk off into the corn. Right. And it's just like it's beat after beat of that kind of stuff. It starts with James Earl Jones, then you do the stuff with the doctor. Now the brother in law can see the players, and then they're gonna interact some more, and then it's his dad, and that's the big payoff that's been set up from the prologue that we've just had bits and hints to remind us of of what's going on, and then he interacts with them and they don't do a lot of stuff there are just a few little things like he introduces him to his family and you can see in Amy Madigan's face like she's playing the like she never got to meet his father before he died and right and that kind of stuff and it's all this I mean it's very like you know saccharine Spielbergian kind of definitely movie movie uh junk food kind of <laughs> Um, no, I, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I think that, uh, I, I just, I, I how do I hit on the points that you said covered most of it? I, I think, um, the movie moves along quickly and changes mm -hmm. quickly to, to keep you going the whole time. Uh, I expected it to last week. I said I had watched it remembering one thing and I thought, Oh, I'm going to get into this. It's going to be the whole thing. That's not the case at all. That the movie's not a one thing where he starts off with build it and he will come and you think that's the whole thing, which it kind of is the whole point. Um, right. You see there at the end, but it, it's, it's got so many sub points, you know, sub that like you call them turns or little things that little stories, vignettes, mm -hmm. right. That they, they tell throughout and, and it's just well done that it all kind of comes together at the end with that thing with his dad, um, which is, you know, he will come. It's not build it. They will come. It's build it. He will come. And mm -hmm. um, uh, so, that it's just enjoyable. It, those, those 15, 20 minute you know, spurts are, are really enjoyable when he goes to Moon, Moonlight Graham, which by the way, he was a real player of all the things in here. Hmm. They got him right. It's so funny. Uh, he was like a medical student at the time. I, I read a whole thing on like what you didn't know about this movie. Um, okay. He, he was an actual player that had a met, was a medical student at the time, played one game and didn't play anymore. Um, 
Also, there's a scene at, at Fenway Park, and if you look in the background, you can see that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are in there when they're in their teens. It's great. That's funny. They're just extras. Um, but the uh, yeah, it just had it just had those nice little vignettes, and it, it just kept me entertained throughout the whole runtime. We we've, we've had a lot of talk this today about runtime and editing and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a whole lot of editing to this, but if they was, they did well because it just kept a wonderful pace. I thought Kevin Costner. Playing this character that that just believed things was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like you know, yeah, you could do all you want about like constantly asking questions, but he pretty much asked a lot of questions too. Like, why me? What do I get? You know, or I don't know why. When he was talking to um, Terrence Mann, uh, James Earl Jones, mm-hmm. he trying to explain it to him. They they spent a whole like a good two minutes of him driving down trying to figure out how do i say this crazy thing that i'm not sure i believe and then when he has the scene when he does it uh kevin costner plays that really well and it's written well enough for like i don't know what to say man i'm trying my best here you know uh and it felt like i it was kind of you can identify with that character of this is a crazy thing but what else are you going to do you have to do what you with what you know already you know really it has already been in the the movie so you you just got to do what you got to do um so which made it I thought Kevin Costner's portrayal was just really good. It felt believable. And uh, you know, (laughs) he was, he was a kind guy, right? Yeah. And they do. The only time I notice the editing is when they're after they pick up the kid and they're having the conversations, it's sort of Mm -hmm. cut in an awkward way where there's like, it's really one conversation, but it's cut up. Yes. It's happening over several hours. About his dad. About his dad. That was a little strange to me, but what I wanted to say is they do a thing. I'm sure there's a term for this um, where the movie has magic, right? Like we yeah. talked about the movie yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a sort of parallel universe movie. But the magic, it's not not addressed, right? Because it's still a thing. And I also mm-hmm. laughed at that, like the whole town driving out to watch him build a baseball field. I'm like, yeah. come on. These people, that, they're that farmers. Was, that was like, a little silly at the end there. But. They don't have they don't have time for this. Why is this fascinating? <laughs> the whole it was like when we watched uh, uh, the Majestic and they do the like whole town following them down the street yeah. kind of thing. I'm like, come on. Yeah. But um, I mean, at that point when the movie ends at the last shot, and you're like, okay, fine, whatever, right, right, <laughs> you know? right. Sure. But in this, okay, we're here. In in this, this, you're so like, fun. you're like, okay, whatever whatever heaven whatever the afterlife is for these these guys like they're there and they can't play and so they want to come back and play it doesn't it's not explained it's not explored really because it doesn't matter the story is about these people and these connections and these regrets right it's really regrets for all of them right like ray kinsella has regret about his father terrence mann has regret about baseball and other things in life um Moonlight, Moonlight Graham doesn't, he doesn't really have regret, but he still has. He kind of does. That's why he comes. This little bit yeah. of, of dream that he, yeah. he never got to do. And he gets a wink at the pitcher. And it's, it's funny. Remember, like I remembered what happens when he tries it. So for him explaining it as an old man, I'm like, oh yeah, he's going to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost that, bean him with the ball. <laughs> that, that scene when, when he, like he meets him in the, he goes in the past basically. Right. When he goes in mm-hmm. uh, there, was another magic thing. Like it's, it's clearly magic right. that's happening right here, but yeah. it was just done just nice and smooth. He goes out for a walk 
right? Mm -hmm. And then yep. all of a sudden things are a little different. And he's like, There's he noticed a little bit of a little bit of the the score, a little yeah. soft piano. And, and he, he doesn't, he doesn't. Kevin Costner again doesn't freak out. He no. just kind of realizes that this is what's been happening in my life, and I'm just going to follow it. And that's what again I liked about Kevin Costner here was that he was he was calm with all this magic. He didn't freak out or do any kind of the things that you might see in modern day stuff. He was just very calm about it and let you as a viewer just kind of become a part of it. And just like, it's okay. I'm dealing with it. And he is. And he went up and had a conversation with Moonlight Graham. Didn't never at any point. Did he ask like, do you know you're dead? Do you know this is, you're going to die when this happens? And this, you know, <laughs> he, he doesn't do all that lame stuff. He just does right. what, what needs to happen for all to service that character and that person and that thing. And that yeah. felt really good. Um, and then, and then I really, really liked later after they let it go and they pick up that hitchhiker and it's him. And I'm like, that was just so great. That that's something that I would not have <laughs> thought to write, you know, in a mm. script and someone like, they just did that thing and had him come along. I thought how and they're living with this magic in the back seat, Right. Right. Um, yeah. Which, which is obviously another magic thing was James Earl Jones just coming. Anyway, like he heard the voice, he saw the thing on this thing, but still that completely changed his whole outlook enough to give up his life and run out to Iowa. Um, sure. But that's, that's part of this magic that you were talking about. The, the magic of this movie is just, you just accept it and you just realize that it's there and I now am in, right? And all yeah, the characters it's are like. In. It's like we talk about with anime sometimes where you're mm -hmm. like, yeah, the the how is not important. Yes. Um, the, the You know, this is more a story about these characters and what happens to them. Or it's a, you know, it's just the the how of the magic is not what the story is about. And we're not going to yeah. spend a lot of time explaining something that's not what that's not part of the story it's and, not and, important to the story and the story is kind of there's a there's an expositional moment here at the very end james earl jones delivers it actually his speech right. about why they were going to come and and what baseball mm -hmm. means and and a time you know it's it's almost i'm going to say the words here dennis it's almost what's been perverted to into make america great again stuff now it's it's that sure you know we we want to remember a time of baseball was simple and everything else and and yes that speech simplifies the world to baseball. Yes, it's not all baseball is not great and wonderful, not corrupt. Okay, sure. But this movie is about that feeling, right? Of of a yeah. simpler thing, playing baseball with the guys and the day at the ball field, right? Mm -hmm. and, and having that again when he's faced, this family is faced with very real things of being homeless and losing everything they have. Um, and then they can remember the goodness of, of a time that was more <laughs> innocent in their minds. Right. And that's sure. That's what, that's what ultimately is that ending thing. There's when, when it's all lined up, you can say that maybe the movie is about him and his dad and all that kind of easing pain that it really kind of ends up with, we all kind of should remember those good times when we were younger. They're not all 100% correct. Our nostalgia is a thing, but they're a good thing that makes us better if we can kind of come back to that again. Um, so I, it, final thoughts thing here though. I, I like this movie a lot. I can't say anything bad about it. There's nothing here to not like. Um, it's, um, it's got a great pacing, good writing, good acting. 
um, just fun. And, and I use the word saccharine, but I, I like it wasn't I didn't feel like it was too much. Like I didn't feel that they were sacrificing everything to be unbelievable sweet. Right. They they, yeah. they were. Yeah. They were it was but not all the time, you know, a little bit like you said about about Top Gun. It's hard for me to be completely objective or even at all objective about this movie. Yeah. Um. I had a weird sort of thing. I said this in spoilers, but I was sort of primed to not not like it, but to think, oh, this is, you know, cheesy, dated Kevin Costner kind mm. of stuff. Um, but his his sort of understated style was a good fit for this character. He did a lot of this stuff in the 80s and 90s yeah. where you're like, yeah, this protagonist is a little bland and that's sort of intentional. It's why they have this guy playing him because he can sort of disappear into these roles because there's not that yeah. much to it um and and he fit he fit right you're right and it didn't take very long i think you know maybe the first time you see the magic happen where like the the combination of what i'm seeing what i remember of seeing this movie before and the music the the sort of a little bit cheesy i don't want to say spielberg again but <laughs> um, you know, that kind of music like it's given me chills a little bit and i'm like i'm kind of annoyed that this is working like this this thing that the movie's doing is is working on me and it's making me feel uh, a, a thing for this movie i do yeah. I, before we're running way long but i, I want to say this um when i was a kid probably maybe 10 maybe not even 10 um my grandparents lived in Iowa. My grandpa was from Iowa. So all the stuff about, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. It was big. No, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> sure, sure, but sure. <laughs> I used to go, I used to go on road trips with my grandparents and we went to Iowa one time. I don't know if it was, they would go back to the farm, right? And see his um, siblings still lived back in the, in the farm town in Iowa. Hmm. And we went to Dyersville where at the time, I don't know if it's still there, but at the time, the big farmhouse and the baseball diamond were still there. Now, this would have been the 90s, so like within 10 years of this movie being made. But um, we went there, and it's a sort of tourist spot, right? Oh, yeah. People were yeah. there playing, you know, sort of pickup practice. Um, but there's corn there. And I walked, mm -hmm. and this is, you know, there's a scientific explanation for this. But as a kid... Like, I walked back. We hadn't moved to Indiana yet, so I didn't have a lot of experience with corn, cornfields. But I walked out to the edge of the baseball area and into the corn. And not very far, just like a step or two. But when I went into that corn, like, it's really, it's because of the way the plants are. But I walked in there, and all of the other sound, the sound of all the people playing baseball, got quiet right as i stepped into this corn and i was like oh it's a little <laughs> you know a little thing like those guys disappearing in the corn anyway so <laughs> but, yeah there's yeah. there's a lot in my in my own history that that made me sort of prime to to enjoy this movie and and i agree it's you know i'm sure somebody could find something they don't like it as a very romantic view of baseball um even though they are still sort of like a lot of the story is built around this, this corruption, this fixed uh, World Series loss, um, kind of thing. It's it doesn't really focus on that, but um, 
Yeah, so, it's good. So a funny thing about that, we'll leave this on this subject thing. You were talking about being out there. Um, they've tried for a long time that that field went, this was on that, did you know about this movie? Uh, that okay. field kind of went unused for a long time and, mm-hmm. you know, it was just kind of a little bit of a tourist thing. But they read it up and um, the MLB, the Major League Baseball uh, right. in America, had made plans to have a game there between the, the White Sox and the Yankees. Um, which okay. are in, in this thing. Um, but it, t- it was supposed to take place there in Iowa at that spot. Um, in, but it was, it was, unfortunately it was in 2020, uh, oh, when they had oh. the, the thing. So it was canceled, but they did have it, uh, last year, last August. Um, and okay. Kevin Costner was there. Um, nice. and, and they do plan to, to continue it every year and make it an annual tradition that the, the Sox and the Yankees play there every year, Nice, which is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Um, cool. Talking yeah. So, about, uh, talking about places that become sort of popular from a movie or TV yeah, show. Yeah, like, like the Hobbit place in, in New Zealand. All right. Um, what's your next? It's your pick next. Week. Oh yeah, next week uh, I'm gonna go get summer blockbuster time. For, so watching shows that are just popcorn movies, we're gonna pick. Uh, and because Maverick was just out, we're gonna watch War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise, not the old one, which is also great, by the way. If anyone wants to go watch the original one first, you totally should because it's old but fun and based on the old newscast thing um, right? and may not have the CG and cool effects, but the story is pretty much rock solid uh, in the original, but we're going to watch the newer one here and uh, has Tom Cruise. Yeah, so it's got a little Tom Cruise, uh, Dakota Fanning. Yeah. Um, Dakota Fanning. This is on, looks like it's on Netflix and Paramount plus. Yeah, definitely cool. I, you know, I, I not seen it in a while since my kid was, my oldest kid was five. So, Mm. Uh, or maybe seven. So, oh gosh, almost twenty years now. I I've not seen it since then. <laughs> it's really that long. That's insane. Uh, I don't know when this movie came out, but holy cow! Um, geez, that's that's so dumb. So yeah, War of the Worlds, Tom Cruise. All right. Well, you've happy been two happy two fiftieth. By the way, two fifty. That's right. I was just yeah. about to say that. You've been listening <laughs> to Front Porch. This is episode two hundred and fifty. Yay! Thanks to our friends at LRM Online. Check them out. Reviews on all the things. If you want to reach out to us, uh, tell us your favorite episode of The Front Porch or, or terrible jokes that Michael and I have made over the past almost five years, <laughs> you can reach out to us via email. That address is frontporchpod, all one word, at gmail.com. If you head over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, there are contact forms and show notes when relevant, uh, all that good stuff. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a positive review, we always appreciate that. It helps out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.